Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Remember I said just the other week that Jesus says, ask, seek and knock. And that whole deal with knocking is so important because that's the issue of warfare. Remember I told you the story that preceding that, that illustration that Jesus used, he talked about a man that knocked on the house, on the door, and, and the man wouldn't let him in. He says, I need some food. My friend has come. And the man said, I'm in bed with my children. I'm not going to get up. And he kept knocking until the man got up. And you see, that's, that's the whole issue of spiritual dominion. We enter into a stage of warfare where we begin to move that which doesn't want to be moved, that which is comfortable. See, the world is set up in such a way that is resisting what God wants to do. It's saying, the enemy is saying, I've got a hold on marriage. I'm going to define it as it should be. I've got a hold of this area of business and finance. I've got a hold of education and I'm not moving. And so we come into that place of spiritual dominion where we begin to knock on the door and say, I want what belongs to me. It may be settled. You may not have been rattled for a long time, but guess what? I've discovered my spiritual dominion and I'm going to take back what belongs to me, what belongs to my father. You may be comfortable, enemy. You may have had this city for the last hundred years, but guess what? God is raising up a people that say, give back what belongs to me. Are you hearing me? Now, the problem is that if you haven't dealt with the issues of the soul, when you get into warfare and there's contention and it looks like God's not moving, you'll begin to doubt yourself. He will play with your emotions, play with your mind, play with your will, and he will take you out. But we need to be people that have aligned ourselves. We know who we are. We know we're loved by the Father, and we don't see delays as God's disapproval. But we see, okay, God, there's going to be contention, but I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, and I'm going to keep pressing through until I get what belongs to me. I prophesy over this church that God is raising up men and women with great dominion and power, and you are going to pull down strongholds. You're going to take back what belongs to you. You're going to begin to shake the very gates of hell. And we are going to redefine this city because we know who we are and dominion and power has been given to us. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. See, Christians that belong in the outer court that stay there, they never shape a city. See, a city's not won by getting people born again because some of the cities where the most people are born again, there is the most violence and the most out, out, outbreak of disaster and death and, and all the enemies work. What changes a city is when people storm the gates of hell, begin to pull down strongholds and occupy what belongs to them. Are you hearing me? And that's why every time the church raises its little head, the enemy shuts it down and says, you have no voice in politics. You don't belong with money. You shouldn't be doing this. You get back in your little corner and play your little church game. But God's people are rising up and saying, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This earth belongs to us. And we're not going to be silent. We're not going to play in a little corner. We're not going to have a nice little sermon. But we're going to possess the land. That's what he wakes me up. I say, okay, Lord. So God's going to raise us up as people of great dominion. And I want to talk to you today about that in a moment, about evicting the spirit of this age. But see, before we do that, I, I just want to quickly, because there's, there's new people here again today, I want to remind you that to do that, God's going to renew your mind and he's going to work on your will. Because these are the two areas before we get into dominion that, that you need to surrender to the Lord. Mark 4, 26, Jesus tells a parable. If you get one chapter in all of the Bible, in the New Covenant, you've got to get Mark chapter 4 because it is, the, the whole chapter says, if you can get this, you'll understand the kingdom. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a man who sows a seed in the ground. So he goes to sleep, he wakes up, and all by itself, or automatically, it says in the Greek, this seed begins to grow and it becomes a blade, then a head, then the full grain in the head. 
When the full grain in the head appears, the man gets out a sickle and he cuts it because harvest has come. And what God is doing in your mind right now, he is by his spirit sowing seeds of the kingdom into your mind. Every week that you come here, every time you open up the word, God is speaking to you. And as we keep allowing the seed to come in and we meditate on it, not just here today, but as you go home and you open up your, the Bible and you begin to meditate and you think on it. And I spend uh, hours pacing the floor. God, explain, what is it that you mean when you say this? Give me the spirit of revelation. You said I have the mind of Christ. Unveil what it means to be a believer. And as you begin to wrestle with that, the Bible says that that seed that comes from heaven begins to germinate in your heart. And see, what a lot of believers do is they, they read the scripture once and they shut it. And the problem is that that seed may grow to be a little plant or a shoot, but that shoot is not a seed, is it? Is a shoot a seed? So what's underneath the ground that's hidden in your spirit is a seed. But see, what you need to do, and a lot of people stop, they don't meditate. They don't allow God to truly change the way they think. So when I say to you, God wants to bless you and give you money, people go, oh, yeah, that's great, that's great. But has it taken root in your heart so it's, so it's possessed you, that, so you get a revelation that it truly is God's desire to so bless me and so prosper me that it'll embarrass Abraham, that, I, that my life will be so full of blessing that I will be a resource to all this nation. Has it gripped your heart so you think about it day and night, day and night, day and night? Whereas it's just a shoot. That shoot then becomes the head, but the head's not a seed. So if you plant a seed, it be, you see it grows, a little shoot, it might be a broccoli. Then it grows up and you see the formation, but it's still not a seed. And so you, it's not time to quit. You do not quit until what has been sown in your spirit by the word of God becomes a reality in your life. And then the seed, as it grows, it becomes the head, and then the full grain of the head and that's when the seed that's inside your heart is seen on the outside. The same seed on the outside is the same seed that was sown underneath. Are you hearing me? And harvest then has come. You will wake up one day and you will know that the word that the Lord sowed in your heart has taken so much root in your life that you have become that word. And when that happens, you can put in the sickle for the harvest has come. You then begin to speak and the enemy begins to take notice. You see, when you speak the word, but it hasn't taken root in your heart, it's premature. The harvest hasn't come. Oh, Lord, bless me. I'm prosperous. And they're all good things to confess over your life. But there will come a day when your mouth will match what your heart believes. And you will know that you know that dominion has come. Until such time, you keep sowing the word of God into your soul until you begin to truly believe what God says about your life. And then I can say, I have the mind of Christ. Are you hearing me? We have to have this for spiritual dominion. The enemy's no fool. He knows when the seed is taking root in your heart. He knows that. We offer up to the Lord today our minds. And I pray over my mind continually. Lord, you said I have the mind of Christ. Let your word so sit in my life and develop that I become the living word. So that when I speak, there's a match between heaven and earth. There's an alignment that comes that I know like Samuel, not one word that I speak falls to the ground. That's spiritual authority. And my friend, whatever particular area that God has called you to get into, it could be more than one. You need to possess yourself with that word till it becomes alive in you and that gives you authority to speak into those realms and bring change. This is not just plain Nice little Christian games and making sure, you know, I pray to the Lord that my children all grow up to love you and bless the missionaries. That's all good. But this is a whole new level where we begin to rule and reign in nations. I am, I am so aware that as I begin to pray in my realm, I am shaping the course of nations. Anybody else? 
And I don't just say that because it sounds nice. There's a conviction in my heart that God has done such a work inside me that my words now carry weight in the realm of the Spirit. We surrender our minds and we surrender our will. Genesis 39.1 is a great passage on what happens when you truly surrender your will. So what's happening now is God is changing the way you think and he's working on your will. Genesis 39 is an amazing chapter because it tells a story about Potiphar and Joseph. And Potiphar recognized that Joseph was a blessed man. He saw that there was favor on his life. There was a difference between Joseph and everybody else. Joseph lived under the covenant that God made with Abraham. And the covenant with Abraham was like this. I will make you. God said, I'll do the heavy lifting. Adam, because of his fall, he introduced a system which was the world system that says work harder, toil, sweat. And a lot of Christians are like this. When they look at their success, if they have any, it's based around what they have done. They have scrimped, they've saved, they've been clever here. But if you, the honest truth is if you said to them, where is the evidence of God's supernatural favor and what you possess? They could not answer that. Because what they have has been gained out of a wrong system. But Joseph, there was something different about him. Everything he touched, there was supernatural, undeniable Deuteronomy 1.11 favor. Deuteronomy 1.11 says, God says, I will bless you a thousandfold. Try working hard enough to get that. So there was something on Joseph's life. And Potiphar recognized that. Let me tell you, the world's not impressed with how well you know the Bible or how Christian look. They want to see evidence of the covenant favor of God on your life. Now, that's not to put you down. That's to say, God, you've got to do a work in me. I need your favor so the world there is an undeniable evidence that you are alive and well, that we become like Isaiah 44, witnesses of the reality of Almighty God. Are you hearing me? So he sees this on Joseph. And so he says, I'm a clever man. I'm going to put everything I own under Joseph's care. What did he do in that moment? He took himself out of a fallen system and stepped over into the covenant of blessing. And the Bible says that he did not worry about anything in his life, for everything was under Joseph's care. The only thing he did was choose what he ate. And the Lord said to me, I want to possess your will. I want to take ownership over every part of your life except one thing. And what did Potiphar have? He had this ability to choose the food he ate, your personal taste. You can choose what sort of car you want to drive. You can choose what sort of clothes you wear. You can choose what sort of hairstyle you have. I want you to be individual. But every other part of your life, I want control over you. I want you to surrender your will to me. You're going to have your own personality and individuality. I want to bless that and release that but I want control over your finances. I want control over your relationships. I want control over your mind. I want you to surrender your will to me. And the moment you do that, the moment you truly come under the lordship of Jesus, you step out of a fallen system into the system of covenant blessing. Now, here's the tragedy is most of the church refuse to do that. Why do I say that? Because in America... 2% of the church tithe. 2% of the church actually believe that coming under the lordship of Jesus with their offering, with their finances, would take them out of a system of toil into a system of abundant favor. I knew you'd love that passage. My friend, I'm talking from personal experience. I know what it's like to come under the favor of God and God to increase me a hundredfold. Now, you can't work hard enough for that. 
And it grieves me that God's people don't understand the system of the kingdom because they refuse to come under his covering and surrender their will. And they're toiling and in pain and they're scrimping and saving. And they're, they're acting like the, their father's got nothing to give them. Come out of that and come under his kingdom. Come under his will and truly say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will come under your covering. Lord, I say the Lord often, everything I own, all my money, all my possessions, they are yours. And it's not just words, they are reality. If you want me to sell this, you want me to give this, you want me to go there, it's all yours. And he will test you. Offer up your son. Abraham, he will test you. But the thing is, if you would give him your will, you will step into a realm where you truly can reign with him. Son of Solomon, the, the, the bridegroom comes looking for the bride to run on the mountains, comes knocking on the door, but she doesn't want to go. She doesn't take the risk. And he's saying, you're born for so much more than this, from toiling and sweating and the grind of life, trying to get enough to get by. See, the Sabbath rest was to unlock you from the world system so you could go about your assignment and not be just so focused on provision. The curse that Adam came under, that he brought on the world, was the curse of self-made living. You need to get out of that. My job is to free you from the worry of the grind of life, running after the things of the world, trying to get enough to make ends meet, always being worried about the future, about my finances and this. You need to be free from that so you can serve the Lord. And the only way to do that is to come out of the system. The sons of this world are more shrewd than the sons of the kingdom. Why? Because they know how their system works, and most of the church don't know yet how the kingdom operates in their world. Hello! And it's your job to discover that. Like Potiphar, he's a man that's not even part of the kingdom, but he's smart enough to recognize it's more prosperous to come under the kingdom than it is to slave on my own. So we surrender our will. We surrender our mind so we truly can exercise spiritual dominion. I'm not a rocket scientist, but I have discovered this. That if you will desire with all your heart to understand the kingdom and how it operates, you will be so successful, it will boggle your brain. Peter strived all night trying to catch fish. Jesus said, can I have your boat? I want to preach from your boat. Peter gave Jesus his boat. Step into my world and take over. Be Lord. And after Jesus had stopped preaching... He had a word of knowledge. See, that's what happens when you come into the kingdom and surrender to his will. God begins to open your eyes to things that have always been there. I believe that those who don't surrender their will don't see what those that surrender their will sees. The moment you surrender your will, you begin to see with eyes of faith. He says to Peter, launch out your boat into the deep. And in the same place where you've gone before and caught nothing, now there's so much that you can't contain it. It's time to surrender your will. It's time to truly stop playing games and surrender every part of your life to him. Everything. 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 Why? Because he's such a good father. And it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's what Malachi 3 is about. We've so misinterpreted that with tithes and offering. You've robbed me. And we thought, oh, God's cheesed off again because we've robbed him. You know, he's short of cash this week and we were supposed to tithe and now God's cheesed off because we're robbing him of what he owns. That's not what it's about at all. We've robbed him of the blessing of being our provider. That's what it's about. Why do you keep robbing me? I want to bless you beyond your wildest dreams and you keep playing in the system of the world. And as we begin to grapple with these things, and I'm not saying that you have to be perfect in these areas, but as you begin to progress into these areas and embrace them, you start to discover what spiritual dominion is all about. 
Because I believe that all of you here today have incredible capacity to change the world. And that's not just some glib line, but spiritual capacity to shift and change the world. Think about this. From my studies, a Roman legion, I think is five or 6,000, I think it's 5,000 people. Think about this. There was a man that was possessed with a legion of demons. That's 5,000 demons. Do you know what I think when I read that? Spiritual capacity. Did you hear me? Should I say that again? There was a man that was possessed by 5,000 demons. That's a lot of demons. It would be bad enough just having one. 5,000 demons in one man. That tells me that man is created for great capacity in the realm of the spirit. For what the enemy can do in the negative, God can more than do in the positive. Imagine what your spiritual capacity truly is. I say to myself, have I even begun to scrape the surface of what God can do in my world? See, most of us are playing games. Most of us are, uh, are just playing on the, on the surrounds. But I want to say to you today that there's great capacity if you will pursue it. If you will truly begin to pursue God, there is great capacity for spiritual dominion. The New Testament church, like I said last week, is not the watermark. It's not, this is the high ground. It's the beginning. Jesus said the parable of the mustard seed sowed in the ground and it grows and it becomes a big tree. The greater works are still to be done. There's so much more to be done. And many of us have had our minds shaped by religious teaching. We've dumbed down the word by, by the traditions of man. And so when I begin to speak about greatness and prosperity and dominion and authority, all of a sudden things begin to shut down inside you. It's called a stronghold. We justify it, we legalize it, and then we defend it. You justify your poverty and your lack. You legalize it by taking ownership. This is who I am. And then you defend it. So that's when I begin to speak. Things begin to rise up in a, with offense and agitation. Why? It's a stronghold. But it's all coming down. God's changing the way we think. We're surrendering our will. And we're stepping into spiritual dominion. I want to finish with this aspect of spiritual dominion. And I felt God say to me, Explain again to the people what spiritual dominion truly looks like. See, you can't take from the enemy what he is holding if you don't understand why you can take it from him. And that's why you put up with things you shouldn't put up with. So are you ready? The earth belongs to the Lord. I'll say that again. Because some of you don't believe it, maybe. The earth belongs to God. Everything you see around here, God made it, God owned it. He has never given away his ownership of the world. So the enemy lies and says, this earth belongs to him. Let me tell you something. God never gave away the earth. When Adam fell, he gave away ownership of himself, not ownership of the world. It wasn't his to give away. His job was to manage it. He never owned it. So the earth is still God's. So that's, that's, that's a critical thing that you need to understand if you're going to exercise spiritual dominion. This world always and always will belong to God. Scripture says, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth is given to the sons of men. What that means is that God owns the world, 
But he set up a law that says you can only access the world, the earth, if you're a man. You can only exercise dominion and authority on the earth if you're a human. On my behalf, but you don't own it. I give you power to exercise how you operate on the world, but remember this, it's still mine. It's like owning a house and signing over a lease. The house is still yours, but you're giving that person the authority to operate in that house for a season, as long as they obey the clause of the lease. But you don't own the house. Don't put pictures up in the wall. Don't mark my house. Because it's mine. And it's the same. This world belongs to God. But he's given the lease to mankind. And he said, if you want to exercise authority on this earth, you must be a man. So that tells me nothing about the devil. He has no direct ownership over this world. The only way he operates over the world is that he now has placed his nature in fallen man. And by default, he's now God of this world system, but not the owner of the world. He controls what happens in the world because by default, he has darkened the nature of man and he's playing with mankind and directing their course, but he does not own this world. Are you hearing me? You need to understand this when you begin to wage warfare and exercise spiritual dominion. Wherever you go this week, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And our job is to exercise dominion. So fallen man has a key or had a key. When Adam fell, he still had the key to exercise authority on the earth. And by default, Satan controlled fallen man. And God was watching this. He's watching mankind out of control with a key of authority to exercise their will on earth and Satan controlling man. So there's anarchy, man hating one another because there's a dark force called the enemy who's controlling mankind and God is watching this. But God has a plan to get his house back. And he sends He calls a man called Abraham and he cuts a covenant with him. And he says, if you will believe in me, if you will place your faith in me, if you will do what Adam didn't, I will bless you. I will set you apart, not just you, but I will form a nation that I will bless. What was God doing? He was showing all of mankind that there was hope for tomorrow, that there still is a plan, that I am going to restore everything that Adam lost in the garden. So he blesses Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you want to know what the kingdom looks like today, you begin to read what God did in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how he set them apart, and he blessed it, and he said, this is what I'm going to do in my kingdom. Are you hearing me? So before Jesus came, there was nobody on the planet who was able to occupy the house, cast out the enemy, and fulfill the will of the Father. See, the problem was, if God got rid of one lot, he'd have to replace them with another. And everybody was fallen and darkened. God wanted to come in and shift things, but the problem was, there was nobody who could evict the people that were there, and come in and bring a new system. Nobody had the power. Do you notice in the Old Testament, there is, there is, from what I can remember, there's no people that are casting out demons. There's no people coming in and binding the enemy and loosing. This is what made Jesus' ministry so unusual, that when he came, he began to take authority over the enemy, cast him out, bring the, bring the kingdom in, and he evict the enemy that was in God's house. Nobody in the Old Testament could do that. Only Jesus had authority to move out the enemy. Mark, Matthew 12, 43 says that when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through the dry places seeking rest. And he doesn't find it. So he says, I will return to my house where I came and if he finds that house empty, swept, and kept and in order, he'll come back seven times stronger. That's the problem that God had. I could kick out all these people, 
but the enemy would come back seven times stronger. I need to find a way to, to change what is inside this house. I need to raise a generation of people that are able to overcome the enemy and replace what Adam lost. Now I'm going to quote my book, The Gospel According to Noah. Jesus came to reinstate us back to our original place of dominion so we could express again the lordship and desires of Father God on earth. To accomplish this, Jesus engaged and defeated the devil in the wilderness as a man and then again at the cross as the representative of all mankind. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 28, If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. How can one enter a strong man's house unless he first binds the strong man, then he can plunder his goods? And there was Jesus who came to planet Earth as a man who took authority over the enemy, who bound the enemy so he could plunder his goods. And this is what we do with spiritual dominion. We begin to understand that we have authority to bind the enemy because he doesn't belong in this house. It's not his home. He's taken it by default. And in fact, God never gave the earth to fallen man. He never gave the earth to the devil. He gave the earth to Adam. He gave the earth to his children. And so we can say to the enemy, you know what? All these realms that you are holding on, all these realms where you, you're the strong man, we take authority over you. We say that this is my father's house. And when Jesus died, the lease was finished. He said, see, he couldn't finish the lease because he had no one else to come into the house to take it over because everyone was fallen and, and sinful. But when Jesus came back, a new creation was born who could occupy what, what couldn't be occupied before. And so he says to the enemy, this lease is finished. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Not for him, but for us. He's authorized the new people that are just like him, that the enemy has no hold over. And because I am in Christ, I have never sinned. I'm not part of the sinful Adam, so the enemy can't take anything from me. He can't say to me, but didn't you give over your rights? I will say to him, I was never part of that because I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm not part of fallen Adam, I'm part of Jesus, and he was always obedient. So I have the authority to take back what you have because it's my father's house, and I never gave it to you, so I want it back. So the lease is finished. So we come in and say, You know what? My father's changed the keys. He says, Get out. He says, I have the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. He's changed the locks and the door. And so the Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. And the knocking is when we knock on the door of the house and we say, excuse me, the lease is over. My father says, you're out. He says, I've found someone now who can occupy the house. And that's you. That's you. You're not called just to sit here. You're called to knock on on doors and say, all that is mine. I told you a while ago I had a dream that I was playing Monopoly. And uh, there was another person playing the game and they had all the best houses. You know the green and the blues? Is it Park Lane and Mayfair? And they had their houses and their hotels you know, and I had the brown, what's the brown one? Kent Street and Poverty Lane and Barely Get By. And so I'm playing this game and I'm thinking, if I land on his house, I am bankrupt. And I was, I, I, the dream was vivid and I can remember thinking, I'm out, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is finished. And I was so worked up. But there were all these cards in front of me and I'd not turned the cards over to see what I owned. And a voice came during the game and said to me, he doesn't own those homes. And I listened, and all of a sudden, the voice said, he's got to to take all those houses and hotels off because they're not his. They're actually yours. And I turned my cards over, and I had all greens and blues. See, the enemy doesn't own 
the earth. I say it again, he doesn't own the earth. I know it's a, a mind bender, but when I walk through the city, all this land, it doesn't belong to him. Because God never gave it to him. He gave the earth to man, redeemed man. He gave it to Adam. And he said, you know what? You fill the earth and subdue it. And while you're under my authority, I'm going to bless you. But when Adam gave that up to the devil, he, he lost the right to represent God. So God sent Jesus to reinstate the kingdom. And our job is to bring the kingdom. And God is searching for people that will fulfill the original mandate. So I write about this in my book, in case you're wondering. In this cosmic battle, mankind's authority was taken back from the devil by the only one qualified to do so, the last Adam. It was at the cross our fallen nature was crucified and through the resurrection a new line was born from above and they began to repopulate the earth. The essence of the death, burial and resurrection was God through Jesus restoring us back to the original place of co-ruling with the Godhead. Yay, God! We are new creations who are operating now in the kingdom of the Father. We are no longer under the power of the evil one and no longer are we empowering the enemy through the choices we make. As we are positioned in Christ Jesus, the last Adam, and not in the first, it means you and I have never given anything to the devil. The God of this world has no hold on us, and because we've never given our authority or our worship to the devil, we can exercise legally the dominion that the first Adam handed over to Satan. We can take back what was designed for and stolen from the first Adam. Are you hearing me? You have authority to say everything that you stole from the first Adam is coming back to me. This is my father's house. That's what Jacob saw when he came to Bethel. He said, this is the house of God. He got a revelation thousands of years before you did that this earth is the house of God. Are you hearing me? So we say, his will be done on earth as heaven. His kingdom of justice and righteousness shall be established. We are not going to peter out. We're not going to holding on till Jesus comes. He said, occupy, do business till I come. Enlarge the kingdom. Let there be an expression of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Where there's injustice, bring justice. Where there's unrighteousness, bring righteousness. In every sector of society, let my kingdom come. And it's your job and my job to exercise spiritual dominion. So I speak to the hordes of darkness that hold my money, that hold the wealth that I need to change all this city. I say, you must give back the treasures that are held in the dark places. I speak to the enemy and I say, all of that is coming to me because it's my father's. He owns all the gold, the silver, the cattle on a thousand hills. If you knew who your father was, you would demand... It's coming back. How dare you steal? Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? Our ability and our right to have dominion over this earth. You are not some weak, willy-washy Christian who's barely getting by. Jesus, please meet my needs. You are powerful. And this is our kingdom. So Jesus comes in. And all of hell begins to tremble because there's a man who they can't control. He's a man that they know wants his house back. So devil, he tries to make a deal. He says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus knew what happened when Adam went down that track. And Jesus said, you know what? I could take back the world right now. When I, when I deal with you, I have the authority as a man to take everything back. But God doesn't just want a home. He wants a family. He wants you and I. See, the whole purpose of the earth was for children to come up in the image of Christ, exercising dominion. And that mandate that was, that was created right at the beginning of Eden has not stopped. God hasn't said that was a bad idea. He is waiting. He is waiting for somebody to get a revelation that we are the sons and daughters of God. Yeah. It is though... 
This is still from the book. The second most important book in the world. It's a joke. It is though God has started it all over again in the garden. You and I get to enforce dominion over a darkened world like Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form, void and in darkness. And it's here, Holy Spirit hovered over the world, waiting for God to speak. This time, however, God speaks through his sons, not the son. Sons and daughters. All of creation is waiting for the revelation of the sons as the earth is made the father's footstool. Kingdom speaking is so powerful because it releases the power of the kingdom into the situations that we face. So the Holy Spirit is here right now, hovering over every form of darkness, every area where the enemy holds people captive, waiting for you to release dominion and speak into these situations. Are you hearing me? You have great dominion and authority. I know the enemy wants to wimp you down, but Galatians 4 says, as long as the heir is a child, he is no different than a slave. And that word child means one who doesn't know how to speak. But the moment you realize that you have a voice and that you have a dominion and authority, you go from a slave to a son and you say, I want my house back. Are you hearing me? The earth is the Lord's. And so whenever I walk through the city, I'm so mindful. This all belongs to my God. I know the enemy might think he owns it. He's put a building on it. But guess what? He may have created that building, but God built all the things and created everything that he used to build the building. He gave them the wisdom. He, he built the land that's on. It's all my papas, and it's coming back. Would you give over your inheritance so easily? Jaws. She exercised authority. Now, I'm almost finished. I'm not saying that you can wake up one day and say, I want all the land back in the city in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> we bind the strong man and we plunder his goods. The kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This is why we're dealing with the soul. Because when you step over into the knocking, it's like Daniel, there's contention. There's contradictions. He ends up in a lion's den, but it's all part of God's plan to up, up, uproot, turn over the whole plan of the enemy. Esther, the very noose plan for her uncle's neck becomes the noose that God hangs the enemy on. But it didn't look that way. But we wrestle and we intercede. And all of a sudden you begin to take a statesman-like view of the city as the father and the mother of the city. This is your responsibility. You wrestle for it. You pray over it. You remind God of his word. We are witnesses to your covenant. You said, ask of me and I will give you the nations. So we stand in the gap and we wrestle. This is a spiritual fight. You can't just knock on the door and say, oh, by the way, um, you know, this, this house you have, this is mine. It doesn't work that way. It's a work of the Spirit as God's people begin to exercise spiritual dominion. And that's what God has for you. That is your holy assignment in life. It's to get into this state from asking, seeking, into knocking, where we reign with Him and rule with Him. And do you know what? It's my conviction when the church steps into that realm and begins to take nations, Jesus will say to his father, what do you reckon? I think it's time. I think we've found a bride that's ready to match the bridegroom. And he will say, I think you're onto something here, Jesus. But he's not coming back until the earth is made his footstool. He's not coming back till the people of God have subdued the enemy and fulfilled the mandate that was set for mankind in the garden. So it's to you. It's to you. Look at me now. It's you. I'm talking to you today. It's your job to release dominion on the earth. You say, well, me. Who am I? You. You have the Spirit of God in you. 
You are powerful. You have all authority. The Spirit of God lives in you. And if you would just open your mouth, if you would surrender your mind and your will to God and say, I am yours, use me as you see fit, he will speak through you. He will anoint you. Jeremiah said, Lord, I can't speak. I'm just a young boy. And he says, I've anointed you to uproot and to build, to plant and to pull down. And that's your job, my friend. God's calling you today to release your dominion on planet Earth. Build the business God called you to build. And forget the naysayers. Forget those that say, that's not God. If God has planted a dream in your heart, release it with your mouth. Begin to move towards what God has said. You are called for such a time as this, like Esther. God has prepared you for this generation. He's saying, step out, believe for a miracle. Do whatever it is to position yourself for God to flow through. I speak now greatness over your life. How dare you limit what God can do? He is greater than that. He will use you beyond your greatest imagination exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Get his word in your heart. Begin to see what he sees. And he will use you beyond anything that you can imagine. This is what wakes me up at night. Because it's stirring in my heart. I said, you know, I'm believing. See, because one of my areas, not the only one, there's a number of, but one of the things that God has called me to do is to release multitudes of, is the wrong word, Bucket loads of money into the kingdom. It's part of my calling. So I begin to travail and say, God, enlarge my mind to see a thousandfold in the day. And do you know what? They're not just empty words. I can literally see it happening, and it's not far away. 30, 60, 100, 1,000. What about you? What about your assignment? What's God called you to do? that's going to take a thousandfold blessing, that's going to take the favor of the Lord, that's going to cause you to exercise spiritual dominion beyond what you've ever imagined. What has he called you to do? In the education, you're not just a teacher. You're called to change the education department. If any department needs changing, it's that. You say, well, it's too hard. My friend Esther obtained the favor of the Lord uh, of the king. He said, I'll give you up to half of the kingdom. You know what that is? It's called partnership. That's what God's offering. He says, you know what? If you can believe, I will partner with you to change history. See, that, it's just coming to me now. The king's not after ruling the world on his own. He's looking for partnership. Esther got half of the kingdom. He's, he's, he's saying to me, Andrew, who will believe? The first thing he says is, give me someone that will believe that this is my desire to work through them. That's the first step. I believe. I believe. And then God, now teach me how to exercise that dominion. So why don't we do that today? Father, we say as a church and as individuals, we believe that it's your desire to exercise dominion through us. We declare as a church that this earth is your home, it's your house. It belongs to you, Father, and you've assigned us with dominion to walk in that house and have full title to the lease. We know that it always will be yours, but you've given it to us to occupy and to bring your kingdom. So I pray right now, occupy through us, enlarge our thinking, expand us, cause us to see great things. You said, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you've never, ever been able to, to conceive, things beyond your imagination. So we call to you, Abba Father, teach us, open our eyes, Open our ears. Show us what it means to reign with you. Redeem that mandate that you gave to Adam through our lives. And we say to this city, it belongs to our Father God. Jesus Christ is and always will be King of kings and Lord of lords over this city. He redeemed this city at the cross so it shall be restored into the fullness. And we prophesy that Australia is a sheep nation. 
It is called of God with a destiny yet to be fulfilled. So we wage warfare in the spirit realm. We say, Satan, you will not abort the promises of God. Thank you, Father, that you have installed angels on assignment over this nation. And your will will be done. No matter what man strives, you're the only one that knows the end from the beginning. You alone are the ruler of heaven and earth. So we ask right now, exercise spiritual dominion through your people. We ask for the nations as we speak. Let it be like Samuel the prophet, that not one word that we utter shall fall to the ground, but you shall begin to fulfill every word that we utter. Father, we join with you in heaven and we ask, Lord, for this nation. Pour out your glory. You promise that the earth will be covered with your glory like the waters cover the sea. So we say, Father, do it today through us in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Today, wherever you are, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, this is your moment. I said before, that it's with our heart that we believe and with our mouth we confess. And if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, why don't you do that right now? Why don't you make him Lord of your life? He loves you. He came to save you. Right where you sit, all you need to say is, Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins of myself led living. I surrender my life to you. Come in and possess me. And the moment you do that and you believe in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. You will be transferred from the kingdom of darkness and lack into the kingdom of the sun. So if God is stirring your spirit, if you feel a moving inside you, that's God knocking at your door. He has a home on the earth, but he also has a home in you and he wants to come and live in you. So ask him to do that wherever you are. Ask him in your heart. You were designed to live for God. That's your purpose. You will always be empty and unfulfilled without Jesus. So ask him. Ask him. The enemy will steal from you. He will kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that you would have life. So wherever you are, just pray in your heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name. And if you've done that for the first time, why don't you tell somebody? Ask them to pray with you and encourage you. For everyone else, I just speak God's favor over you this week. May you know what it is to come into new realms of authority and dominion in the name of Jesus.